Good morning, everybody. Welcome once again. Thank you for joining us here in Next this morning. Those of you that are actually here with us in body in the Ace Center at 10.05 on Sunday mornings and those of you that join us out there in podcast land and catch us later on in the week, we want you to feel welcome as well. But just want to tell you all again how honored I am that you would spend your Sunday mornings here with us. Um, you could be other places, you could be doing other things, but you're here, and it means a lot to me, and it, it means a lot to God, too, so thank you for that. Quick reminder, March 11th, 6 p.m. here in the A Center, we have our first Next Social of the Year, Food Fellowship, and Relationships. Yeah, there'll be some fun in there, too, yeah? Food Fellowship, Relationships, and some fun, but I hope y'all can join us March 11th. Please come out. Um, we want to jump right into our lesson today. I often take some time to review, but there's a lot of material to cover, and I am going to I'm going to push really hard to get through this particular lesson today. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground so far this year, and um, we hope that you are feeling the impact of the topics that we've been covering. Uh, I know that that I have, and uh, this stuff it tends to stay with me during the week, and it's impacting the way that I talk to people, it's impacting the way that I listen to people, uh, it's, it's, it's changing the way that I interact with certain people, and it's always there, it's in the background, and it's been, it's been good for me, and I feel like my perspectives on some of my relationships have changed in a helpful way, and uh, I'm not perfect by any means, I told y'all whenever we started this, I'm no relationship guru, and I've still got a lot of, of growing to do, but I can honestly say that this series so far has, it's made my life better. Um, now, what I'm about to do is dangerous. Do not try this at home. Is there anyone else here today that would be willing to raise their hand and say, you know what, Jason, I hear what you're saying, and, and there have been some things in my life that have changed for the better since we started this relationship stuff. Anybody? Okay. Awesome. Look at that. Now keep your hands up. Y'all look around. And that, that's, that's good stuff. That's, that's what we're aiming for. Now our focus today is, um, is boundaries and your relationships. Boundaries and your relationships. And just in total transparency, I told Julia on the way in this morning, I said, what we're going to talk about today, I feel like has the potential to stir up a bunch of mess. It does, especially if people don't hear all of what I say. Now, how many of you have been accused of having selective hearing before? My hand is not up just for example. I am guilty as charged having selective hearing. So here's what, and I've been chewing on this this morning. If you don't hear everything that I say today, then it really does have the potential to stir up a bunch of mess. So here's what we're going to do. Repeat after me. Jason, we're going to hear... Everything you have to say. All right. So if you can do that, then I think the potential for mess is cut probably by about 65%. So that's what we're shooting for today. Now, the guy, the guy for this topic, uh, boundaries in your relationships, is a guy named Dr. John Townsend. He's a Christian. He's a um, board-certified psychologist. He's uh, a, a leadership um, what would you call him? A leadership guru, I guess, a leadership consultant. Uh, he's also an author, and he's written uh, several best-selling books. 
the first one and the one that put him on the map is this book, Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life. Some of you need this today. Okay, and I'm, I'm putting, putting, Haley's helping me out back there. She's putting this stuff up there. But uh, this is the one that put him on the map, written in 1992, so a little bit dated, I guess, but not, not dated in the fact that the information's out of date, just the cover looks a little wonky. Uh, then he, he wrote one called Boundaries with Teens. Some of you need that this morning. And then he wrote another one called Boundaries with Kids. So also a good one. And on, uh, the next book that he wrote that really got a lot of notoriety was called Beyond Boundaries, Learning to Trust Again in Relationships. That might be for somebody today. Another book that he wrote we've already kind of covered was called Who's Pushing Your Buttons? Handling Difficult People. And then the last one, is his newest one, is called The Entitlement Cure, Finding Success and Doing Hard Things the Right Way. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm reading that one. Don't have it yet, but I'm reading that one. Um, so if, if you feel so inclined, if you're like, Jason, I think I, I think I need that one. Amazon can hook you up. So what I'm going to do today is, is I'm going to give you this material that comes from a special presentation that Dr. Townsend did at Saddleback Church um, while they were in this You Make Me Crazy series back in 2012. So You Make Me Crazy. Now, I'm going to tell you all so far, and we've been doing this class right on four years now. So far, this has been the best received series that we've done. The only thing that's come close to it uh, prior to this was Mind Monsters that we were actually doing last March. Now, I want y'all to think about this for a minute because the things that y'all are responding to the most talk about crazy thoughts and crazy people. So, might be cause for concern. Y'all think about it. But how many of you, how many of you have ever been in a crazy-making relationship? I said, ever been, ever been in a crazy making relationship? Go ahead. No, raise your hand and keep them up. If you've ever been a crazy. Now, I want everybody to look around and notice the people that don't have their hands in the air. Because these are the crazy makers. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, the reason why they didn't have their hand in the air is probably because they're sitting next to their crazy maker. And they didn't want to get in trouble. I don't blame you. But reality check, almost all of us have had at least one crazy making relationship and, and at least one crazy maker in our lives. And some of us have one. We got one right now um, at home, in our immediate family, at work, at school. And it's a big deal because we live our lives relationally. And all it takes is one crazy maker to make all of life go sideways. Have y'all noticed that? Just one crazy maker, and, and it's like your whole perspective of life changes. This girl came home from, some, from college one weekend, and, and a beautiful girl, very smart, and, and she told her dad, she said, Dad, I've, I've found the guy. This is the, the words that every father hates to hear. I've, I've found the guy that I want to marry, and uh, I want you to meet him. And so his name's Larry. And I've invited him to come with you this Saturday. I thought it would be a great idea. You like to fish. Take him out and y'all go fishing this Saturday. And you can, you can learn about him. And so Larry showed up and, and off Larry and, and dad went. And, and while they're out in the water, dad starts asking some, some probing questions, right? And dad says, uh, Larry, what, what do you do, man? Uh, do, do you have a job? And, and what's, what's your career plan? And Larry says, well, uh, no, sir, I, I don't really do anything. I don't, I don't have a job. And 
I don't really have a career plan. I don't even know what that means. And, and dad says, well, Larry, how is it then that you plan on taking care of my daughter? And Larry says, God will provide. Don't you love it whenever people throw the God card? So dad says, well, well Larry, if, if you don't work, then you must have some assets, right? Some real estate, some stocks, some bonds. Is there like a, a trust fund somewhere? Did you invest really wisely a long time ago? And now you're, did you win the lottery? You know, what, what? And Larry said, oh, no, I, I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have any assets. I don't, I don't have any real estate. I, I can't invest because, I mean, frankly, I don't have any money and uh, any extra cash. I mean, I play the lottery and, any extra cash I get, I usually spend on lottery tickets. So dad says, well, Larry, how are you going to how are you going to live and get by in life? You don't have a job. You don't have any assets. You don't. Have, Larry says. God will provide. So dad's frustrated now and he's in panic mode, right? So he. He says, he says, Larry, what, what are your dreams, man? What are, what are your aspirations? What are your ambitions? What is it that, that you want out of life? And Larry says, oh, I, I don't know. I don't really have any of those. I don't have any ambitions or dreams. And I'm just, to be honest with you, I'm just kind of winging it, taking each day by day. And I'm not really sure what I want out of life. And the dad says, look, Larry, you don't have a job. You don't have any assets. You don't have any dreams or aspirations. What do you think? You're going to get out of life. And Larry says, God will provide. So dad shuts down, man. He doesn't say another word. Uh, they just spend the rest of the trip in silence and they get home. Larry leaves and dad still doesn't say a word, just goes inside, sits down in his chair, staring off into space, traumatized, you know. And uh, the wife comes home and she starts quizzing him about Larry and, and what she'd found out about Larry and, and you know hey how did it go and, and what's Larry like and the dad tells her look honey I've I've got some good news about Larry and I've got some bad news about Larry and the wife's like okay well what's what's the bad news let me have it and he says well Larry's got no job he's got no assets and he's got no ambition he's got no career plan no financial stability and he has no dreams Larry is a washout, he's a loser, and he's hopeless. The wife says, wow, uh, that's awful. It sounds like Larry is wrong for our daughter in every way. What then is the good news? And the dad says, uh, apparently, Larry thinks I'm God. Now, for some of you, that story may hit a little closer to home than what you'd like to admit, but it really does illustrate, I'm sneaking up on you on this, it really does illustrate the core of the crazy-making relationship, because in every crazy-making relationship that you and I have, we're in a relationship with someone that expects you to be God for them. In some way, shape, or form, they expect you to take responsibility for some area of their lives that they should be responsible for. Be God in my money. I've made a bunch of bad financial decisions and I've got financial problems. Solve them. 
be God in my personality. I've got a weird personality and I've got some strange tics and not everybody likes me. Fix it. Be God in my failures. I got a lot of problems, man. I've made a lot of mistakes and I want you to solve them. Be God in my job because I've got a poor work ethic and I want you to take up my slack. I thought I'd at least get an amen on that one. Be God in my emotional issues because I've got a lot of wounds and, and people have done me wrong in a lot of ways and I've got trust issues. So I want you to be perfect and fix all of that. Be God in my spiritual walk because I don't really have a personal relationship with God, so I'm going to rely on yours. Boom. And we call those kinds of people crazy makers because they should make you crazy. Because God never intended for you to be God for anybody. He never intended for you to take his place in somebody else's life, no matter who they are. So let's do this for today. Let's go ahead and I want to front load our discussion today with you thinking about a particular person. We don't normally do this, but today we're going to go ahead and call them guilty. Go ahead and get that crazy maker in your brain. I hope nobody's thinking about me right now, but. But think about this person, Julia. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh. Think about, the, think about this type of person that, that I've been describing and keep them in the forefront of your brain as we go through this today and chew on that relationship while I'm talking. So right now, as we speak, who's asking you to be God? Who's asking you to be God? Who's asking you to take care of their financial problems, their emotional issues, their unhappiness, their misery, their bitterness? Their mommy issues and their daddy issues, their spiritual issues. Who's demanding that you take care of them and take responsibility for them? Because the Bible says it doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. And it actually says that there's there's a better way. Let's go ahead and look at some scripture. Proverbs chapter four and everything today. I'm really breaking with convention today. Everything today comes from the NIV. So Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says above all else. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, it's important to guard yourself. If you see the words above all in the Bible, that means pay really close attention. Get your highlighter out and highlight that one because the Bible's already above all. And so this is the above all saying above all. This is like above all squared for you math whizzes in the room. Pay real good attention to this one. Guard your heart. What does that mean? Well, in Hebrew, it means the heart, it means the inner man, the inner woman. Your inner person is, in, in the Strong's Exhausted Concordance, it calls it the seat of. But the heart is the seat of a lot of things. Your core values, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts and decisions, your conscience, your inclinations, your resolutions, your determination. All of these things are called and considered the heart. And the Bible says to guard that, to guard your heart, to guard your seat of all of these things. And if somebody is demanding that you take care of their responsibilities and that you be God for them in their life or in some area of their life, then that probably means that you aren't guarding your heart the way that you should. I'm talking about boundaries and relationships. So let's look at relationships the way God intended them. Okay, this is the good news first. 
the right way first. So for those of you taking notes, these are two elements of God's design for every healthy relationship. Two elements of God's design for every healthy relationship. I'm going to say that one more time because it's long. Two elements of God's design for every healthy relationship. And the first one is grace. Period. First Peter 4 and 10 in the NIV says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What is grace? Well, there's a lot of ways to define it. Y'all have always heard it's the unmerited favor of God. It's the unearned kindness of God. Y'all have heard that one, right? Well, today I want you to think of it this way. Grace is the reality that God is for you. That God is for you. God's on your side. No matter what you do, grace means, man, that's important. I, I said that flippantly. No matter what you do. Grace means that there is nothing that I can do to make God happy so that he will love me more. If I perform well, he's not going to love me more. Grace means that there's no way that I can mess up so royally that it's going to make God love me less. I need to know that. You need to know that. There's no way that I can perform or that you can perform at some mystical top level that He'll love us more than He already does. And there's no way that I can mess up so badly that He will love me less than He already does. That's grace. It's grace. And it comes in two forms. There's the vertical form of grace, which is between God and us. But then there's the horizontal form of grace, which is the grace that we show to others. And, and that's the grace that is being talked about there in that passage in First Peter. It's the horizontal form of grace. And what it says is we are supposed to be good stewards of grace. We always hear stewardship, right, whenever we're talking about money and ties and talents and resources. But look at this. It says to be good stewards of grace. We are the delivery system. We're supposed to be a good delivery system for the very grace of God to others. And relationships that are full of grace, that don't judge, that don't condemn, those are great relationships. You know why? You know why? Because in those relationships, you're safe. You're in a safe relationship. There's no condemnation, there's no judgment. Because whenever we're judged, what do we do? We shut down. We quit. We hide. We cover up. We put on the mask whenever we're judged. But when we're safe, we, we open up. We let the walls down. We take the mask off. That's why we need to understand the operation of grace in our relationship with God. Stop hiding. Because He doesn't condemn you. Somebody hear that today. He does not. Whatever happened, whatever they said, whatever you did, God does not condemn you. It's called grace. And we need I need just huge heaping shovel loads of grace in my relationship with him every day, every day. And it, we need it in our relationships with each other. And what it does is it brings us out of hiding. It allows us to be known and loved. 
Man, that's a tough one, isn't it, Jeremy? We've had that discussion. I want to be known. I want to be fully known for who I am, but I want you to still love me. Well, I've got to feel safe <laughs> to do that. Well, that means there's got to be a sharing. Y'all see how this works? A sharing of grace. Because we're safe, we won't be condemned. So that's the first element of a healthy relationship. The second one, first one's grace. The second one is truth. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. What is truth? Well, truth is what's real. It's what's real. Grace provides the safety we need to experience truth. Truth provides the structure we need to experience grace. That's good stuff. Y'all should write that one down. Grace provides the safety we need to experience truth. Truth provides the structure we need to experience grace. You need both. And the awesome thing is, man, I got excited about this one. Dr. John Townsend didn't come up with this one. This was just Jesus. It's like a lightning bolt. The exciting thing to me is Jesus put both of these together. John 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14. Y'all probably heard this one before. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made without who's this talking about. Talking about Jesus. Good. Jesus is always the right answer in Sunday school. Through him all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made and in him was life and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Watch verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth. Jesus put them both together. So Jesus comes, God in flesh. Why? Why did he come as God in flesh? To restore right relationships. You're out of relationship with me, and I'm not content to leave it that way because I love you too much. So I'm going to leave heaven, put on flesh, come to where you are, meet you in your need, full of two things, grace and truth. Doesn't the genius of God's plan just amaze you sometimes? Because here we are in the in this in talking about really this scripture, the foundation of salvation. And embedded in its very core is the model for healthy relationships. It's amazing. Grace says, I'm for you no matter what. No matter how well you perform or no matter how poorly you perform, I'm for you. The truth says, I need to give you a little feedback. Craig Grishel uses the term, and I've stolen it. We call it developmental conversations. We need to have a developmental conversation. That's, that's truth speaking. So we need the grace, and we need the truth, and it's a law. We'll call it of relational physics. Grace and truth go together, and when grace and truth go together, the relationship works the way it's supposed to work. So that's the good news. Now let's go back to reality. Uh-huh. The crazy making relationships because that, that two part balance of grace and truth, it, isn't, it doesn't always exist in our relationships, does it? No, it doesn't. They, they sometimes they sometimes get out of balance. So. Let's talk about two types 
of out-of-balance relationships, two types of out-of-balance relationships, and both of these are because of control issues. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Two types of out-of-balance relationships. And you can just put control issues there in the there in parentheses. The first one I want to talk about is a relationship that's out of balance because of someone being out of control. A relationship that's out of balance because someone's out of control. The Bible talks about it. Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. That's out of control behavior, man. That, that's, if somebody's behavior and somebody's attitude is just, they're, they're off the scale extreme. Impulsive. Act out. Destructive behavior. These people are taking advantage of the grace. They're trampling on the grace. And they're not listening to the truth. The best example of this type of person, or the best example of this type of relationship is if you've ever had a relationship with an addict. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you, this is like hitting home for you right now. If you've ever had a relationship with an addict, then you get it. If you've had one in your family, you get it. You understand. Because everything in that person's life is second to that addiction. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, whatever that addiction is. And people who are in a relationship with that type of addict have to be very careful not to take responsibility for that person's pain. All of a sudden, because what happens is you become a parent. The psychologists call it codependency. They've got a term for it, codependency. Y'all know what that is, right? Here's a very non-textbook, easy definition for codependency. Code codependency is somebody's falling off a cliff and somebody else's life flashes before their eyes. That's codependency. Code, it's, it's awful. And the and it, it, reason why it's awful is because they don't get better and you don't get better. And it's very often a part of the out-of-control relationship. So that's the first one, a relationship that's out of balance because of being out of control. The second one is a relationship that's out of balance because of controlling others. Because of controlling others. Someone is attempting to control you. Galatians 5 and 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's talking to church people here. He's talking to Holy Ghost filled people here. He's talking to people that have already experienced it. And he's, he's got to warn them saying, don't let yourself be placed back under a yoke of slavery again. Jesus wants you to be free. And one of the freedoms that comes to us through Jesus is the freedom to make choices in our relationships. We've got you have a voice. Jesus died so you could have that in Jesus. You should be free to choose how you're treated. In Jesus, you should be free to choose how you're spoken to. In Jesus, you should be free to choose how you spend your time. In Jesus, you should be free to choose how you spend your money. I'm, I'm talking to a very small demographic of people here today that have experienced someone trying to control them. You should be free to say, I don't want to be loved the way you're loving me. That's, that's not the way you should love me. 
Now, obviously, if you're free to do these things in Jesus, remember, you got to hear everything I say today. If you're free to do these things in Jesus, then you're not breaking biblical principles. Right. We don't even have to go there. Y'all understand that. Christ died for that type of freedom, but there are people who don't want you to live in the freedom that Jesus won for you. As long as you go along to get along, then everything's fine. But the moment you voice another opinion, blow up and you've got to walk on eggshells. It's a hard life to be around somebody who's a control freak. Amen? Not controlling themselves. Oh, that'd be fine. Control freak, control yourself. No, that's not what they, they want to control you. There are two types of controlling people. The first is the type that controls by anger. This is the person that says, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to blow up. I'm going to escalate. I'm going to cuss. I'm going to yell. I'm going to throw stuff. I might even get violent. I'm going to have a tantrum if you don't do it my way. They control you by anger. It's very, it's very powerful. And the other is the type that controls you by guilt. If you don't do it my way, I'm going to be hurt. Guilt says, I'm not mad. I'm just hurt. It's just as powerful as the control by anger. But either way, anger or, con- or, or, or hurt, they're still a crazy maker. If they're out of control, crazy maker. If they're trying to control you by anger or guilt, crazy maker. So what's the answer? What's the answer? And that's where boundaries come in. It's restoring God's. That's what boundaries do. They restore the balance of grace and truth in our relationships. Now, that sounds boundary that 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 word it. it, it, Does anybody else feel that way, that it it sounds negative, that it sounds negative? The boundary sounds negative. It's not a, a boundary is not a mean thing. It, it's not a, it's not an emotional castle. And remember, you got to hear everything I say today. It's not an emotional castle with with your high, cold stone walls and your moat filled with alligators and things that have sharp teeth and and your drawbridge that you let down to let somebody in every once in a while if they know your secret code word. That's not a boundary. And that's not how Jesus intended you to live boundaries don't mean that you become this cold emotionally distant hard to reach detached person that lives in your emotional fortress of solitude okay that that's not what boundaries are about a boundary is brian you'll like this one a boundary is a property line it's it's like the line between your house and your neighbor's house so, so what does that mean? If the plumbing goes bad on my side of the property line, I fix it. And if the plumbing goes bad on the neighbor's side of the property line, I might go over, to the, over there to help. But ultimately, ultimately, it's her problem to fix. It's his responsibility to fix his own plumbing. That's... The benefit of the property line. You're responsible for your stuff over there, and I'm responsible for my stuff over here. Now, I don't mind helping you every once in a while, but it's not going to be my responsibility to fix it. Remember, Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, protect your heart. That's what a property line, that's what a boundary does. It guards and protects rights and responsibilities. That's good. That's John Townsend. That's not me, but it's still good. 
it, it protects and guards rights and responsibilities. So in the time we have left, whew, i got to hurry. Two key aspects of boundaries that restore God's balance to our relationship. Two key aspects of boundaries that restore God's balance to relationship. The first one is to love others without rescuing them. To love others without rescuing them. Rescuing, enabling, codependency. That's not love. Love says, I'm on your team, man. Love says, I hear you, I'm on your side, but I'm not going to fix your problems. Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 5. We're going to spend a little bit of time with this one. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and part of verse 5. Look at this. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Put up verse 5. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the love of Christ, and each one should carry their own load. That almost sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Carry each other's burdens, each one carries his own load. Which is it? Well, hold on, Coop. You mean I got I to gotta carry my own burdens and your mess too? I shouldn't even get out of bed in the morning. What's Paul getting at here? Well, look at this. The word for burdens in the Greek is barus. Barus. And it means heaviness, weight, burden, or trouble. And it comes from a root word for boulder. Boulder. You might seen Atlas, right? Not like Atlas, but like Atlas carrying the stone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a boulder. It's a great big back crushing boulder that you can't carry. Here's a boulder. Divorce. Here's a boulder. Cancer. Here's a boulder. Losing a loved one. We're supposed to help each other carry boulders burdens let man let me let me come let me get a shoulder under that so you don't have to carry that thing by yourself sis that is a huge load let me help you just a little bit that's not what the word load means in the other part of the passage though this is awesome it's a different word in the greek it's fartion it says a and that literally means a load of freight in a ship it's different because a ship is loaded with the things it needs to do business. It's got food. It's got water. It's got cargo for commerce. It's your regular day-to-day -day stuff that you need to go about your business. Your feelings, your thoughts, your values, your priorities, your heart that we talked about earlier. It's the difference, guys, between carrying a boulder on your back and carrying a, back, uh, a book bag, a backpack. It's the difference. So watch this. Life goes well whenever we follow Scripture and help people carry their boulders in times of great crisis, but don't carry their backpack. Conversely, life goes poorly whenever we start picking up people's backpacks for them. God never intended for you or me to carry somebody else's backpack. Anybody ever tried to make a miserable person in your life happy? How'd that go for you? Didn't work, did it? Here's the question to ask. Here's the question to ask to know, am I loving or am I rescuing? Here's how to know the difference. Simple question, should they be doing this themselves? It's simple. If they should be doing it themselves, it's not your load to carry. That's their load. It's their load to get a job, to keep a job, to stay clean. It's not your load to carry. One exception, guys, if you're lying in bed and your wife says, baby, 
would you please go get me something to drink? Don't say, no, that's rescuing. I'm not going to get your water. You get your own water. That's your, don't do that. Things are not going to go well for you. One exception. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right, so number two, number two is to learn to confront in love. Learn to confront in love. Learn to tell the truth in love. Honest and honoring feedback, right, Case? Matthew 18 and 15 in the NIV, Jesus is talking. This is Jesus, right? And he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. People that love each other tell each other the truth. Whew. People that love each other tell each other the truth. I've got blind spots. I do. I've got blind spots. You've got blind spots. We've all got blind spots. We're a bunch of spotty people. But I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to beat you up. I want a better. This is how you this is how you go about it. I want a better relationship with you. This is about stewardship. It's, I'm not being selfish. I'm not trying to get my way. I'm trying to make a healthy you and I'm trying to make a healthy we. I'm trying to be a good steward of this relationship that God has blessed me with. So. <laughs> here we go. Pedal to the metal. Y'all ready? All right. Three skills to learn to set boundaries in relationships. This is the practical side. Three skills to learn to set boundaries in your relationship. You're like, Coop, you're talking to me, man. I, I know the person that you, they're in my mind. I'm chewing on it. I need to set some boundaries. Three tools, three skills to learn to set boundaries. Number one, start from a position of love. Number one, there's a reason why this one is number one. You got to start from a position of love. I want this person to win. Mm, that's hard sometimes because really we don't. We don't want them to win. We want them to fail. We want them to suffer. We want them to feel every bit of pain that they've caused us. So this is why we've got to start from a position of love. Come on, guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm not just preaching to the choir this morning. I'm preaching to me because there's plenty of people in my life. The last thing in the world I want to do is to start operating with them from a position of love. I want to start operating from a position of punt. And send them. That's not what the Bible says to do. Jesus is talking again. Jesus, come on, man. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That right there is the nail in the coffin. Because did Jesus ever love you whenever you weren't very likable? He sure did. And he loved me that way too. He does the same thing for me every day. So that means I've got to do the Jesus thing. So you don't start with a position of I'm going to fix them. I'm going to make them right. I'm going to change them. You start from the position of I want the we. I want the we. The we at home. The we at work. The we with the kids. I want the we. And as long as they know that you are committed to the we, whatever that shape of that relationship is, then they, will they can receive what you have to say. You start from a position of love. Number two. Say no when it's best to say no. Remember, you got to hear everything I say. Everything I say today. Say no when it's best to say no. Jesus gave you permission to say no. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. That means sometimes you say no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. No is a good word. Jesus said to use it sometimes. Number three, 
give consequences if necessary. Help me, Jesus. Because I'm serious, guys. This is the part where we can get crossways real quick. We, if you got to hear everything I say, you got to you got to start from a position of love first. There's no point in giving consequences if you don't start from a position of love first. Jesus didn't say you jump straight to judgment. He said you love them first. Y'all got to hear everything I've got to say today. Sometimes you got to move beyond saying no to doing no. Proverbs 19 and 19 says a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you will need to you'll, you're going to have to do it again. If you've ever had a rageaholic in your life, you know because they train you and you train them. All you got to do is blow up and I'll give you whatever you want. The Bible says don't do it. Don't rescue them. Here's the deal. Some people, some people, I don't know what's wrong with them, man, but some people are just going to disregard your words. Your no is not going to mean anything to them. And what they're saying is words can't change me. Words don't have power to affect me. The only thing that can change me and affect me is pain. Now, that's foolish and we don't need to be that way. But there are some people that are that way. And so you've got to move beyond just the no. And if it's time, if it's appropriate, the consequences, you've got to tell them if you continue this behavior. I'm going to leave the house. If you continue talking to me that way, I'm going to hang up the phone. If you continue responding to me that way, I'm going to leave the room. If you continue acting this way, you got to go live somewhere else. If you continue acting this way, then I can't continue to give you my love or not my love, my, my money and my time and my energy. If you continue to act this way. Now, those are the three tools and they're really simple. They're not easy, but they're really simple. They do get easier with time and some practice as a person that has to frequently say no and hand out consequences as part of my job. I'm going to tell you, it does get easier with time and with practice. Guys, boundaries. I don't know what y'all are expecting with this, but boundaries, they're super simple, not easy, but super simple. But they're not about destroying relationships. That's not what a boundary is about. Boundaries are about making crazy relationships healthy. So let me give you a next step and we'll, we'll jet, man. I'm, I'm late. We got to go. I'm sorry. If you're dealing with a crazy maker right now, that person that was running through your mind, that person asked you to think about earlier, take a step this week to move toward greater health in that relationship. Take a step toward the balance of grace and truth. Set a boundary. Set a boundary. Use the three tools. Start with love. Say no if it's time and give a consequence if it's necessary. I don't know how to make that any more practical. I'll talk to my practical friend later and he can give me some points. And if I need to, I'll revisit it later. But that's your next step for this week, because some of you are you really are. You're going crazy because of this relationship. Set a boundary. It's time. It's time to make it healthy. Set a boundary. All right, we're done. Next week, y'all thought today was heavy? <laughs> Next week, really serious, 
serious stuff. We're talking about breaking free from abuse. Breaking free from abuse. Next week might not be for you, but it might be for somebody you know. So we're gonna, we're gonna, it's a real topic. We're going to deal with it next week. God love you. Thanks for hanging with me to the bitter end. We'll see you in a few minutes. God bless you.